Hello and welcome to Army of Crime, your favorite comic book podcast. Uh, I am your host, Matt, and I am here with my co-host, Dustin. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, this episode, we are continuing a tour through scenic and fanciful Europe by looking at the comic Peplum, which is just fun to say. Peplum. Uh, by the French comics artist slash writer Blutch. I assume his name is pronounced. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to inter- do you want to introduce this for us at all? So, uh, Peplum is, in fact, a uh, how does one? Well, it is. Yes, a, how does one describe? <laughs> it is a unofficial. Uh, sequel slash reimagining of the ancient roman novel satyricon uh which exists in survive which does not exist in a complete surviving edition but exists it survives in pieces believed to have been written by gaius petronius and satyricon is about the bizarre exploits of the quoting from wikipedia here detailed the bizarre exploits of the narrator Enculpius and his slave and boyfriend Gitan, a handsome 16 year old boy and it's about them going off and having wacky adventures so peplum sort of picks up as a like i said a sort of it was intended as a kind of like sequel slash remake slash homage to apparently one of blitch's favorite novels satiricon so it the the character the main character i don't believe is ever named but it begins with him in a group of men who are like treasure hunters of some sort or perhaps slaves i'm not sure it's not clear exactly and then they unearth a beautiful woman frozen in a block of ice and they dig her out and they start embarking to like uh, transport her transport her back to Rome. And then from there, uh, it becomes this uh, bizarre Picard-esque adventure. I was gonna describe it as a phantasmagoric fool's journey. Yeah. Taking place during the, during Imperial Rome. Yes, and it has, it actually begins in a, something that's like loosely related to the story is uh, the death of Julius Caesar is kind of like the, an odd piece of like stage setting. And then it, yeah, it goes through various uh, violence and or sexual adventures of the main character. Uh, so, and we should say that this was in the last couple of years, I think like five years ago, was published in English. It's originally a French comic book and Blutch is apparently a big deal in France and now in the last couple of years has started to have this work published in English. It is uh, in black and white as well. Um, Matt, what did you think of Peplum? And don't well, say it was interesting. Okay, I won't. Uh, what I was going to say was as a person who likes Roman history as a general topic, it does a job, it does a good job of it because it's like this fool's journey, 
he kind of like pokes around in a bunch of different areas. Yes. Uh, he gets captured by pirates. I mean, he gets actually captured a lot, captured several times uh, yes. by pirates, by the Roman military, uh, ends up in several different cities. He gets shipwrecked. The sexual relations between like men is, as far as I know, somewhat uh, fairly accurate to like Roman, like how Romans, like Roman culture of the time, because one of the plot points is that he meets an attractive young lad that he then journeys with. Uh, and then an older man that they that they get captured by takes a liking to the attractive young lad, which was sort of a custom in the in the Greco-Roman world, right? Uh, that a the male to male relationship um, should have some kind of age difference because there's like one because there's like a dominant partner who'd generally be an older an older man, and. You know, so that's used as a plot element. Um, yeah, and he gets he, at the beginning. It's it seems like he's like a escaped slave or something, perhaps. Um, and well, apparently, he, there's a line quoted from the Satyricon that is, "I have evaded justice. I have escaped the arena. I have slain my host. All this to end up after so many daring feats, nothing but a beggar." That is apparently a line from the Satyricon. Okay. Well, that's actually yeah. not said by the main character. It's said by a Roman, so-called Roman knight, whose name is Publio Simber, who the main character later kills and steals his identity, which is something that he, the main character actually does several times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say one of the plot points is that the fact that he keeps trying to impersonate uh, like a high-ranking Roman, like a member of the Roman military, like a Roman knight that they use the word knight, you know, uh, he's trying to impersonate him, which was kind of a wacky thing you could do back then, of course, because they can't give you, you know, the DNA test. I think it's Russian history where the same guy got impersonated like multiple times when they would keep having like false versions of him pop up. Well, I think it goes to show in sort of like, a, you know, this is a very like raucous and rowdy uh, trip through the Roman world. And it kind of shows how um, strictly stratified it was in terms of class. Because, like, at one point, um, the main character and his young male lover, who he refers to as his little brother, uh, which, in fact, in another case of impersonation, he apparently killed the guy's, the, the kid's brother after robbing him and then sort of, like, adopts him as his little brother slash lover. Anyway, they go to a city where everyone's been killed and they're like stacked with corpses. And one of the guys goes to the commander in the city and is like, what should we do with these two people that we caught? And he's like, well, I don't care. Just crucify them. And they're like, the one claims to be Publius Simber. So they're like, oh, wait, let's see him. You know, so it's like he uh, shows you how, you know, strictly divided and on class and things like that and on birth the Roman world was and how this character is always trying mostly like unsuccessfully to like navigate through that with his uh with some degree of subterfuge trying to like bootstrap himself up the social ladder almost by like brute force yeah sheer persistence I think it shows something too there's some commentary on the mutability of identity because right. the the main character has no fixed identity 
Right. He just it, it keeps like adopting whatever identity is like most useful in whatever situation that he finds himself in. And the whole plot of, of carrying around this, he has like this frozen woman that he thinks is still alive. Yes. It, it, yeah, it's like this plot device, uh, but he, he does abandon her at several points and then goes back to her. Uh, so it's, it's like a vessel for him to like travel through the Roman world. Um, he meets like a woman without hands. Uh, he struggles to, you know, get erect at, at one point uh, to seduce an actress after killing another actor in like a play. Yeah, there's a whole part where his impotence becomes kind of his undoing. And yeah, he is in love with this woman who's in a slowly melting block of ice and believes that she is still alive and she's like his beloved. Yeah, and I think that circles around to the mutability of of identity because he's ascribing, of course, he knows nothing. He's ascribing all these qualities to this person he finds frozen in a block of ice that he knows absolutely zilch about. Uh, we don't even know if she's actually alive or not as you're reading it. And of course, the fact that she's perpetually frozen in a block of ice uh, suggest something of the fantasy or, you know, right. the supernatural. Uh, but the whole thing is just kind of him like pin pinballing around Imperial Rome. I think he gets, I mean, how many times does he get captured? He gets captured, he gets shipwrecked like two or three times. Yeah. Fights barbarians. Um, a lot of things happen. And, and uh, I think that like the, the struggle is, yeah, the main character uh going through this like perpetual identity crisis i suppose and this unresolved question mark of this woman frozen in the ice yeah so what did you find about the uh the visuals uh peplum i should say by the way also that i uh really like uh peplum i think it's um it's divided into i think 10 chapters which are all kind of like their own distinct little stories about this uh, protagonist. Uh, and it's definitely, like you said, very strange, hallucinatory, you know, wild uh, kind of reading experience. But I find myself to be quite enjoying it. Um, but also, as, as you said, I'm also a, a big fan of like Roman history and stuff. So that's probably part of it. But and I think the visuals of it are really appealing and part of why I think it works so well. Like Blutch draws in, and I'm not like an expert on European comics, but I, from what I've read, you know, black and white was not the norm, but uh, he draws in this very kind of like scratchy, like inky kind of style that often has like large swaths of like uh, smudgy, like black ink, sort of like almost like a, uh, who's the Mort Cinder guy? Why can I never remember his name? Oh, Alberto Breccia. Yes. And so these like uh, smudgy, like like black inky shadows are almost like almost reminiscent of an Alberto Breccia, but like the actual line work for the figures is of a much more cartoony style that's not aiming for uh, realism. It's more like caricatured style, but there's still some there's some like extremely like striking images as you go through this, like 
It's oh, interesting. Absolutely. And it has draws. it almost has I was gonna say it has almost kind of like a sketchbook quality because oftentimes he kind of lets the backgrounds fade out. Yeah. Anyway, continue. I was gonna say it's interesting too how some characters are drawn like the uh the young boy is drawn like in a very like much more like attractive fashion. Like he has the main character has these white eyes with little like black dots of like pupils. And then the young boy who becomes his lover slash brother has like curly hair and has like these full, like almost like Disney character kind of like uh, pupils, which which gives them this very like cutesy kind of look. Um, it's like an interesting like in contrast. It's obviously like a very uh, clear visual choice. And then there, there's a great image too later where there's like a splash page of a city where he's just saying you're melting as he's realizing that his lover this woman trapped in ice is slowly melting and do you remember the page it's page 93 the one i'm talking about where it's like a very impressionistic cityscape that's all that looks like it's like smudgy like black ink and like uh with white buildings yes it is yeah there's a lot of good there's a lot of good cityscapes. There's a good um, images of like like the uh, when there's the army of pirates marching and they yeah. have their you know they're marching with their shields. There's the rows of like crucifixes or stuff when the Roman army takes the pirate city. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good vistas like le- like like those kind of like epic. I mean, it's named after uh, the sword and sandal movies. The title. It's not really like like content wise it's not really what it's like but the 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 name of the of the comic refers to this the epic yeah like sword and sandals uh movies and and you do get some of that imagery not necessarily as like you know content uh but some of that imagery of like w- when they're intersecting with like the marching armies yeah, yeah and those those like cityscapes where it's uses that black and white so it's just like little lines that are like suggestive of these it makes the city almost look like uh like a warren or like a right. like a like a rat's like a rat's hovel or something like that. Yeah, I like the part where he it starts in chapter five, where there's, there's a, a, a page that has three panels and there's a close up of a guy's face who's terrified and there's the main character's face looking mean and then the terrified guy and you can see that he's on top of this guy choking him and robbing him. And then when he takes his money, the guy throws a rock at him and then they fight and he throws the guy off a cliff. Um, and he's like, brute, what a brute, a real brute. Like he's lamenting how mean this guy was that he just killed and threw off a cliff and then steals his brother. Yeah. Or, I mean, the the other, I mean, the person trapped there might have been the guy's slave or something. Yeah, it's not really clear what it I, is. I wouldn't, but... I wouldn't say it's highly likely that it was really his brother. Um, but yeah, and then you see him standing on this cliffside and there's like all these like runaway slaves or like, like vagabonds living in the in the side of a cliff like birds or something yeah and of course that was another part of roman society uh was certainly like slaves could be uh used for uh sexual purposes freely but uh so i think it's entirely plausible that this that the strapping the striking young lad uh the the that everyone's so attracted to was is perhaps just like a slave that was captured that that is being traded around by adult men Right. So Matt, did you like Peplum? I did like it. Uh it, it it's a quick read. Right about 40 minutes. I did I did enjoy it. I could 
could have done some more. Um, and I know um, Blutch has uh, a bunch of stuff, right? Um, not all, a lot of which is probably not in English, but I could have got, I could have, I wanted more. And, you know, you turn the page because of the nature of the story of it kind of being like a fool's journey, or I believe you described it as a, is Picard-esque. Yes. Uh, it, it, there's not a real strong narrative. So you don't really get a sense of like, it's getting close to the end or not, right? You just kind of turn the page and you're like, oh, okay. Kind of, I mean, it does kind of come to something of an end, certainly. Um, but I, I could have done more. I mean, the art is great. Um, you get these all these great black and white figures, the cityscapes. Um, yeah, and then at the end, it, it just kind of brings it around. And I, I could have done more. I wish there was. Well, that's kind of like the Satyricon, since it's lost, or most or a large part of portion of it is lost when you read what exists for the complete elements of it. It apparently just like ends like mid-sense. Yeah. And I suppose he's doing that. I mean, it, it does have an ending. Um, it does have an ending. But um, given the the mutable identity of the main character, I mean, you could have done a lot more with it, I guess, I guess is what I'm saying. Not not that everything needs to be 600 pages long, but right. Um, I mean, it's a good sign of it that you want more, that you, that you finish it and you're like, huh. What was your read on the very end, the last page? The last page. So the end is where he gets shipwrecked for the final and like gazillionth time how many yeah. times does he get shipwrecked like four times or something at least like four or five times yeah well are we are we giving away the ending i guess but is this really a story where you can like spoil it i mean the ending is you know um spoiler alert for what that counts for uh or whatever uh the ending is that the the, the ice person finally melts and and she was like dead the whole time it was just like a body yeah. Well, a body uh, with with the the appearance of life. He, he he was reading more into it than was really there. He was reading life into a lifeless figure. So there's something he, in there I think about uh you know like perception. You know we're all just uh, dust blown on the wind or something. What and these guys in the background are saying she is dead, and then the one says she is dead question mark, and then he has this like weird smirk on his face where he says she was dead. Which I didn't quite know how to read. It's kind of like um, the main character kind of like smirking, like he knows more than these fools saying that she's dead, like she was dead the whole time. Oh, and right. Like maybe he knew that. And he's realizing this or maybe he's saying she was dead, like, you know, everybody's dead. What's the big deal? Like, right. Like right. death is the universal constant. I'm not sure. But then there's yeah. also this great one page epilogue. I guess it's like a two-page epilogue, where he's now uh, cavorting with some Roman bigwigs, some like senators or something, wearing their togas. It starts with this like black cityscape at night, kind of. That's with all, that's uh, really foreboding looking. And then one fancy rich Roman guy is like, "Ever hear about those folks who were so hungry they ate the insides of their cheeks?" And then everyone has a big laugh. And then he's like, when Numantia was taken by Scipio, they found mothers with the half-eaten bodies of their babies pressed to their breasts. And then everyone just looks at him as he's like brooding. And that is, of course, something uh, I believe is what the previous action of the pirate city that was taken and everyone was killed um, was Numantia being taken by Scipio. So it's like positing some kind of future or who knows, like Earth, some kind of future existence where he is um, showing up these like hoity-toity 
like big wigs by telling them about how you know their heroic Roman generals like Scipio are the creators of these like genocides. Yeah. As a counterpoint to them, you know, just like laughing about the fate of the downtrodden and starving. Right, and then suggesting um, that his that the main characters uh, at um, very almost like transparently unsuccessful attempts to force himself to become a higher class person somehow worked. Yeah, I mean, which again, which shows you both how, as you mentioned, how um, stratified Roman society was by class, but also how in incredibly meaningless and arbitrary that is. Did you like the part where a gladiator woman is like trying to kill him slash rape him and then he kills her and then there's like a whole crowd of people who come out cheering? That was odd. Yeah, there's some odd parts. There's a part where he meets like a whole cave full of uh, women without hands or something. Yeah. There, there's some there's some odd parts. Where he's in a boat with like some starving people who have had their eyes put out. And a guy says, know that death comes swiftly for you. Remember, a part of your head is dead already. Not sure exactly what that means. What part of your head is dead already? I mean, if they're blind, their eyes are already dead. I'm not. Oh, I guess that's what he was implying. Yeah, but th they must assume that he's also blind. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fascinating little read. Well, uh, Matt, any further thoughts on Peplum? Does it make you want to read more comic books by Blutch? Or it, it does. It, it actually does. And it also um, reminds me of the thought that I have that always pops in my head various times throughout you know, doing things is that uh, Roman, the Roman Empire feels underused as a setting for for things to happen in. Kind of like I feel like there's so much of. You know, when you have like movies and stuff that are set in ancient Rome, they're almost always about the famous generals and politicians and stuff, whereas in this you get kind of the, you know, people's history of Rome where it's all like body working class sex and violence kind of thing which i feel like was probably much more uh you know specific to the way that the vast majority of people would have lived at the time yeah as far as like historical fiction i mean in the western i feel like in the english-speaking world at least like the middle ages is like thing number one i don't know i don't feel like there is a lot of stuff that happens in rome i feel like it's an under an underserved time period for historical historical adventures it might be you might be right at least in like more things of more like this rather than yeah and i think you could plausibly call this like a historical fantasy it's like historical i mean it, the the setting is just kind of the window dressing it, it's kind of like a fantasy um in a lot of ways sure yeah uh but yeah i would say the the roman empire is also an underused an underused setting and uh, it, it's interesting how it, it does manage in its brief uh, pages. I feel like it does capture something of the, you know, the Roman Empire in this in this time period. And, and through a lot of the Roman Empire um, was a place where you know, whole cities could be like wiped out. Uh, on yeah. a land. I mean, it's kind of a violent, a kind of a violent world uh, with, you know, slavery and, um, you know, sexual identities that are 
commonplace for them that little thornier for us to unravel. Right. And, and, the and sexual think, mores were complete would be complete are completely alien to modern society. Yeah, so I think it does a good job of giving you some flavor of that. So yeah, I would say give give it a read. Or, or not. I'm not I'm not the boss of you. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're the kind of person that, that likes things just because they have cool art, you know, that it's worth for that, certainly, because it does have cool art. Um if you have interest in like Roman Empire or um, you know, a, a slice of that world. I, I think you could you could find an in for that, certainly. Well, Dustin, I guess that's technically the episode of a podcast. Our website is armyofcrime.com. On the interwebs, you can find us on... Um, I'm on Twitter, at Army of Crime. Uh, Dustin is on Twitter as well at Dustin forty four forty four four, and you know you can come yell at us or or whatever. Um, if you want to leave a review, five star review, feeds the algorithms that determine the course of all of our lives. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Stay alive out there, everyone. Until next time. Thrilling audio content.